In this report, how to save thousands on a new car despite the current hell on earth of <coughs> supply constraints and component shortages. Four actionable techniques for you that will minimize the financial pain of new car acquisition even today. I'm John Cadogan, I get new cars cheap. Australia only. Websites and uh, card. Click it now, dude. And I'll buy you a pony. Not really. That's more an Elon private jet thing. At least that's what I heard in Business Insider. Amazing. Most of us fly to London in economy, of course, where we get served turd on a stick somewhere near the equator. Yes. I'm always quite grateful for the stick, frankly. Obviously, you pay for it. It's built into the price of your ticket. But otherwise, it'd be finger food. However, things are clearly quite different up the pointy end, aren't they? It's all braised swan and massages. Apparently. In this report, I'm going to show you how to save thousands off the price of a new car, even today with the market well in the chitois, as we say, down under. Today is unprecedented. Like, I've been a motoring journalist since I had hair. That was some time ago. And I've never before seen supply quite as fucked up as it is today. If you've been dead from the neck up since 2019, kind of like the C, and you've just been resurrected, kind of like Christian Jesus, it might surprise you to learn that the developed world has become something of a shit sandwich while you were down there. The car industry in particular holds the record for the biggest barbed wire enema ever, following its decision to leave itself strategically vulnerable to China, in particular, thanks to asshole in-house bean counters chasing that last crucial third of a cent on this vital widget and that one. Then, of course, COVID, post-apocalyptic collapse, production flushed down the S-bend. Demand for new cars has eclipsed supply, and this heartless status quo is predicted to continue until the end of 2023 or the start of 2024. There's a cheery thought. This means two things for you, of course, if you want or need a new car soon. One, you're going to have to wait for it, dude. Lead times are absurd on some cars, such as Toyota Hybrids, Land Cruisers, Subaru Forester, Kia Sorento, Shetra. It's a pretty long list. Well over 12 months in some cases. In others, of course, they can't tell you when. I heard a whisper on Friday that model year 23 Forester is going to be delivered sometime in 2024. Like, they generally start making MY23s in the second half of calendar 22. So be as flexible as you can be on make, model, colour and spec. You might find a competitor with 
only a three to six month wait, <laughs> which is the current car industry equivalent of same day delivery right now. Two, dealers are disinclined to discount. That's the bottom line. They're not really ripping you off. They're just doing business like you would if you were them in this situation. There's a queue of people just like you over the horizon, only you can't see them, right? And you all want a new car yesterday. And if you're too much of a hard case on price, the dealer's just going to brush you aside and go with the next dude in the queue because there's such limited supply. You and your proclivity to negotiate, going under the bus, doesn't hurt them in any way currently. In business, I guess everyone wants to sell every product in their inventory at the highest possible price, and when demand exceeds supply, prices go up, discounting kind of evaporates, etc. If you've been waiting for those big end of financial year discounts, I don't think there's going to be any. There might be some bullshit lip service like dog brands, etc., leveraging June 30 as a thing, but actual red hot deals on cars that you would actually want to own? Unlikely, dude. But you can still save thousands, and I will detail exactly how, step by step, in just a sec. This video is sponsored by Olight, a fantastic supporter of the channel. I carry one every day. It's on me right now, a Warrior Mini 2. Mini lightsaber too, like it's waterproof and drop tested, like I've drop tested mine heaps. And it's always crashing into my Leatherman in the pocket, so auto expert seal of survival right there. Just hang on one sec. In case you thought I was just blowing smoke up your RS. Nobody wants that. Not at my age. Now, thanks very much, COVID, I have to say. I was all set to evaluate two all-new O-lights, but then China had new lockdowns and they got here about half an hour ago. So good luck with the evaluation there. Yay, logistics. Thank you so much. These new torches are Olight's new i5T+, which of course is pocket-friendly in a Slim Jim kind of way. You get four different colours and two different grip contours. There's this pebble one and a helical spiral type one as well. 550 lumens on maximum brightness, okay? It's powered by two standard double A's as well. So not a bad travel option because... You can get double A's anywhere, right? You don't have to spend hours recharging if it's suddenly flat, okay? It runs up to 54 hours on a single set of those double A's. There's a moonlight setting as well of 15 lumens for those times when you simply don't need a lightsaber and you don't want to damage your night vision, but you want to find something in the bottom of your bag. Things of that nature. During the sale, you can get this i5T Plus bundled up with this baby just here destroying the set. It's called the S2R Baton 2 for 
under 120 bucks in some color combinations, including this one. The Baton 2 is rechargeable using Olight's proprietary magnetic clip-on thingo that is USB at the other end. So that's pretty nice, and it is properly tiny, handbag-sized, if that's the kind of thing that you dream about on a regular basis. Nothing wrong with that dude, we've all been there. One thing that did get here in time was this thing. I love this. I'm gonna have to find another pocket for this baby. The multi-purpose EDC powerhouse called the O-Pry, because it is a pry bar and other stuff as well. It's titanium too, and titanium is just properly sexy. It is an awesome material, which is only slightly heavier than air, but really tough and this one is buffed by being tumbled endlessly in stone, so it feels quite awesome in the hand. It's a pry bar up one end, which is also not a bad dirty big screwdriver for things like tripod plates and stuff of that nature. You get a pocket clip to hold it in place. There's a bit driver and you get four bits. Well, there's two bits, but they're double-ended, so there's four bits flat. Phillips and two Torx bits are supplied just there in the back. Number six and number eight on the Torx front. Plus you get a nut driver and a four millimeter hex driver on board. And there are metric and imperial measurement scales on the sides as well. So that's a lot of functionality packed into a really small, beautifully finished product. Now, I guess he just needs someone to stand on, dude, such as our outgoing Prime Mincer, and you could move the earth. Hashtag Archimedes. All right, so three top O-lights remain, for me at least, the Warrior Mini 2, which I just threw over there and picked back up, the Warrior 3, if you like something a bit chunkier and a bit gruntier and a bit more tactical and not to mention brighter. For the Fat Cave, the Mighty Swivel, which I do not have on display here because I ran out of real estate, frankly. It's a great roadside work light, okay? And it's good in the Fat Cave as well, you know, just on top of a saw or something like that. It's magnetic and it's got a carabiner. I have raved about the Swivel endlessly and it's under 60 bucks. Or right now, you can get it bundled up with the aforementioned Batson 2 i5T Plus and a neat folding knife called the Beagle, all for about 230 bucks, which is almost $90 off the full freight. The sale starts tonight, Monday the 23rd of May, and it runs until midnight tomorrow, the 24th. Link in the description, plus a code for 12% off on most non-sale items and for use after the sale as well. Okay, back to cars now. So right now, you really might have to cop it on the chin in terms of the non-negotiability of the drive away price given the effed up underlying supply situation. But you have to realize the drive away price is just not everything when it comes to buying a car. It's just the tip of the dealership ripoff iceberg. Tip number one, price the car up at more than one dealer. One of the things some dealers are doing right now is pumping up their so-called dealer delivery fee to essentially whatever they think they can get away with 
given the current commercial dynamics. And dealer delivery is mostly a bullshit charge that simply covers the cost of getting the car on a truck at the local importer's logistic holding yard and taking it to the dealership, plus cleaning it up, checking the vital fluids and functionality, and registering it for you. So delivery's worth maybe 500 bucks, but some dealers are currently charging 10 times that on mainstream cars. Like, Jesus. The pro tip there. Any suggestion by a car salesman that the delivery fee covers the international shipping from the factory to Australia is entirely unequivocally bullshit. It does not. The importer pays that. International shipping is included in the landed cost of the vehicle. It's part of the wholesale price which the dealer remits to the importer when they buy the car. So when you shop around, make sure you compare delivery fees. There could well be thousands of dollars of difference between different competing dealers. Tip number two now, one of the serendipitous consequences of new car scarcity is that used car prices are at an all-time high. And odds on, if you're in the market for a new car, you've generally got a used car to dispose of. So that's a happy confluence, isn't it? See, some people simply cannot afford to wait for a new car, right? Such as if your car got liberated at the lights last Friday night or something and the insurer wrote it off, then you're probably going to need a car Monday morning to get to work. Huh. Sure, you could hire a car in the short term, but hiring a car and waiting 12 months or something, not really an option, is it? So a used late model car could be looking good to everybody in that situation. And of course, a lot of people are thinking that right now, right? Because they need a car desperately. So the unprecedented demand for used cars has pumped up their price as well, which is good for you if you are selling a used car as part of the acquisition process for a new car. So if you want to maximise your financial position on this, Tell the dealer that maybe you'll think about a trade-in when there's some certainty about the delivery time frame of your car. But sell it privately, okay? Because you'll probably get thousands of dollars more than any trade-in. And you'll probably sell it pretty quickly as well. Tip number three, do not just automatically go for the dealer's finance. Dealership finance is invariably expensive. That's one of life's great constants, isn't it? Not as much of a rip-off today since additional consumer-protecting regulations were enacted a few years ago now, but still comparatively expensive, I think you'll find. Always shop around on the finance, right? And if you are not exactly a Jedi with the slide rule or the friggin' abacus or whatever the kids are using these days to crunch those numbers, take a short list of decent-sounding finance offers to your accountant and get them to break it all down and find the best one. There's absolutely no prerequisite to tip even more thousands of additional dollars of profit into the dealership 
just because they led you like a lamb to the slaughter into the office of the in-house finance dude or dudette. Last tip now, number four, and this one I have to say is huge. An insidious, bottomless pit of unprincipled profiteering which we strive to insulate our clients from, right? If the price of the car is the tip, endless add-ons, and I really do mean endless, they are the 90% of the iceberg lurking somewhat unseen below the new car waterline on the showroom floor, neutral buoyancy, all of that. Philosophically, right, buying a car is a friggin' ambush, and the anatomy of every ambush on earth is the same. In bandit country or on the showroom floor of Toyota Bogan Twat, which is, of course, the last dealership before Dingo Piss Creek. In an ambush, the other team lies in wait with their weapons zeroed in, right? And you stroll over and stand on the X unwittingly, where, to your brief shock and utter despair, dozens and dozens of holes get suddenly drilled into you. <sighs> Irrespective of what style of ambush you are in, it's always a bad idea to stand on the X. Dealerships are such specialists at walking you through their process. Stand here, bang, stand there, double tap, next, etc. The geography is so choreographed. And they use bullshit, fear and shame to get you across the line on typically, a bunch of highly profitable crap you definitely don't need, but which, with the right emotional nudge, sounds like a really, really good idea in the heat of the moment. <sighs> Rust-proofing is a classic example, okay? Heaven forbid that you decline this seemingly vital protection. Nobody wants to wake up next week and learn that their recently shiny new shitbox has decomposed overnight, worryingly, into a pile of iron oxide in the friggin' driveway. Except with LDV, of course, that's in the brochure. If only I'd gone for that rust protection, people in this situation say. That's the pitch, anyway. Meanwhile, back on Earth, where metallurgy and science actually do matter, even still in bullshit world, Modern cars are overwhelmingly galvanised, dude. They do not rust because they cannot rust. Rust was much more a 1980s thing and earlier, before galvanisation became common. Rust-proofing a modern car is completely unnecessary. Like, maybe not in Canada, where the roads are heavily salted for half the year or something, but certainly here, totally unnecessary. Paint protection. Modern cars have a hard, clear coat over the colour. That clear coat does not need protecting. It needs washing every few weeks and detailing, like polishing, maybe once or twice a year with typical cars. Pro tip here. Read the friggin' fine print on the ceramic paint protection's five or ten year warranty. I dare you. 
the annual inspections, the retreatment. It's almost impossible to comply with all the warranty compliance terms and conditions. Fabric protection, like, dude, just don't keep friggin' chooks in the car overnight. <sighs> Even if you do, like, fabric protection is not going to help now that I think about it. The list of things the dealer wants to sell you is as ridiculous as it is long. Minor damage repair insurance, like, <sighs> because heaven forbid that you might actually scratch a wheel and have to deal with the consequences. It's a new car, not a friggin' new baby. A, a car is a machine. There's a news flash. It's good to go, out of the box. It doesn't need all of those add-ons. Its primary purpose is transportation. Like, certainly take care of it, but... Realise it's going to get scratched and scuffed and generally acted upon by the second law of thermodynamics over time. Like, it's a clock. Everything's a clock. The hands only spin one way. They go from new to old. This, of course, is inevitable. It affects everything. All of these add-ons are so highly profitable for the dealer, but of dubious value at best to you. And bear in mind that things like the in-house insurance, like Subaru insurance or Toyota insurance or something, whatever, it's merely the same AAMI or GIO insurance policy, which you could buy independently over the phone or online, only the in-house one is white-labeled to the brand and sold to you routinely with a lazy thousand bucks worth of markup or something similar. The list of add-ons is endless, like window tinting. It's the same tinting from the same dude in the same van whom you can call the day after delivery and have it done in yo driveway, only the dealer's going to charge his customary billion and a half percent markup if he arranges the tinting for you. And the accessories, like, oh, please... Do you really need that rooftop saxophone holder or that diamante encrusted gold-plated AK-47 rack for the rear window of your Ranger? Like, really? The road to dealership rip-off hell is paved with X's of exactly this nature. Waypoints on a carefully constructed new car buying consumer marathon. You absolutely do not have to stand on every friggin' X and get drilled repeatedly through the wallet. The way this happens for many people is this, okay? People are generally conflict averse. I don't live in that world, but hey, like that's what I've heard. So ambushes in dealerships are not like by the Taliban. They're terribly polite and even superficially friendly. This is like tactical politeness, like coercive politeness. Our minor damage repair policy really is a great idea. It's real peace of mind for you. Like We speak to so many happy customers who tell us it's really made a huge difference to the long-term first-class presentation and future value of their investment. 
It's only $14.99. You can even pay monthly and we will automatically renew it for you. (sighs) Most people don't like the conflict of disagreement. Like, (laughs) you don't have to say, piss off, idiot. Ray Charles could see that for the rip-off that it is. You could instead just say, I'm sure that's right, but my budget is pretty tight at this point, and all I really want from you is the car. If I scuff a wheel or scratch a bumper, I'll just deal with that down the track. You don't have to stand on every X. You can recuse yourself politely, in a dignified way. You don't have to agree. Every X you avoid, it's going to save you 500 bucks or more, 1000 bucks here, 1500 there. It all adds up. And you don't have to avoid too many of these X's to save five grand, right? To be 5,000 bucks in front, even in the current unfavorable economic environment. So go forth, dude, and save.